Hey there, my lit aficionados. Ever had a conversation so wooden that you thought you were talking to Pinocchio? Today we're diving deep into the world of dialogue. Yep, it's time to make your characters chat, like they just had three espressos and can't stop spilling the beans. Today's episode is called Dialogue Tips to Keep Your Readers Talking. Welcome to the Pin to Profit Podcast. This show is the fiction author's one-stop shop for all things writing, from pinning captivating prose to the nitty-gritty of grammar to tips, tricks, and insider advice on marketing to turn your passion for writing into cold, hard cash. Because the only thing better than writing the next great American novel is making a fortune doing it. Am I right? With our guidance, you'll be raking in book sales faster than a cheetah on roller skates chasing a squirrel with a winning lottery ticket. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get ready to go on a rollicking ride into the realm of riding riches. Because the Pin to Profit podcast starts now. First up, let's talk about avoiding the exposition trap. Listen, we get it. Sometimes you have this burning urge to make characters explain everything, like they're giving a TED talk in the middle of a dinner date, but hold your horses. David Mamet, the godfather of punchy dialogue, had this rule. Always tell them less than they want to know. Look, it's tempting. You've built this lush, detailed world with its own 3,000-year history, political intricacies, and a dietary preference for gluten-free mooncakes. You want, no, you need your readers to know this. But here's the hard truth. It's a conversation, not a college lecture. Have you ever been to a stand-up comedy show and seen the comedian get on stage and just read out a list of jokes? No setup, no pacing, just bam, bam, bam. Your reader's engagement works in the same way. They don't just want the information. They want the dance, the tease, the slow unraveling of a mystery. Dropping too much info in dialogue breaks the flow. It pulls readers out of the immersive world you've created and gives them a jarring reminder. Hey, this is all make-believe, and here's how you do it. Sprinkle the info, don't pour it. Think of exposition and dialogue like salt on fries. A little enhances the flavor, too much, and you're just parched for a drink or a different book. Break it up. Characters can reveal information over several conversations, not all at once. Let the story's pace dictate the reveal, not your impatience. For example, in Herman Melville's Moby Dick, Captain Ahab doesn't just stand on deck and deliver a PowerPoint about his past, his obsession with the white whale, and his intricate plans. No, it's unveiled piecemeal, creating an aura of mystery and anticipation. Also similarly in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings books, the One Ring's history and its dark significance are spread out. Tolkien doesn't have Frodo just sit down and get a full briefing. Instead, there's a mix of tales, legends, direct encounters, and yes, some exposition. We're looking at you, Council of Elrond. But it's done in a way that feels natural to the narrative. So remember, authors, when in doubt, tease the information out. Make the reader lean in, hang on every hint, every suggestion, savoring each morsel of the grand feast of your story. Think of how Hemingway did it. His iceberg theory left nine-tenths of the story under the surface. It's all about suggestion, not a guided museum tour. Let's call the next tip the ventriloquist nightmare, giving unique voices to characters. Have you ever been to a ventriloquist show? 
It'd be a pretty awful act if every puppet sounded just like the dude with his hand up its back, wouldn't it? In fiction, if every character sounds like the author, or even worse, like every other character, you've got yourself a literary ventriloquist act gone terribly wrong. It's no fun if all your characters sound like they attended the same elocution class. Why is this important? Your characters aren't clones. They shouldn't sound like it either. Each one comes from a unique background, has unique experiences, and perceives the world in a unique way. Their voices should reflect that. Also, when characters have distinct voices, it leads to richer interactions. Readers can actually hear the dialogue in their minds and immerse themselves more deeply into the story. Instead, consider where your character is from. A kid from Brooklyn will speak a lot differently than a noble aristocrat from Victorian England. Consider each character's life experiences. Personal traumas, joys, and lessons shape how one speaks. A war veteran might be more curt and reserved, while a comedian may use a more jocular tone and see the world through a lens of humor. Let's look at Mark Twain's adventures of Huckleberry Finn. The beauty of Huck's narrative voice and dialogue lies in its authenticity. Twain didn't make him sound like a polished English lad. Huck's voice, with its southern dialect and youthful innocence, was reflective of his character and upbringing. His dialogue with Jim, whose speech is infused with a different dialect and wisdom of life, creates a dynamic and memorable interaction. Another classic example would be George Orwell's 1984, Think About Winston, and his timid, questioning tone versus the forceful, doctrinal, imperious voice of O'Brien. Their dialogues are not just about the plot progression, but a clash of ideologies. The way O'Brien speaks, assertive, confident, even condescending at times, shows his position and belief in the party's doctrine. In essence, unique voices aren't just a tool to differentiate characters. They're a vehicle to transport readers into your world, letting them hear the cacophony, the harmonies, and the solos of every individual in your narrative. So this next thing might sound counterintuitive, but sometimes what's unsaid speaks volumes. A charge pause, a swallowed word, it's the kind of stuff that'd even make a mime drop his imaginary box. Use pauses for dramatic effect. Maybe two characters are dancing around a sensitive topic, and just when one is about to confess, they hesitate. Oh, the tension. Pinter, anyone? His play, The Homecoming, is peppered with pauses and silences that convey more than paragraphs of dialogue. Look, we've all been in those moments where we're desperately waiting for someone to stop talking so we can dive into that golden silence. In writing, Silence is not just the absence of speech, it's a realm filled with tension, understanding, emotions, and sometimes clarity. And these pregnant pauses are important because they create tension. Ever noticed how after a heated argument, it's the silence that follows which is the most intense? It allows the previous dialogue to sink in and gives the reader a chance to catch their breath. It also amplifies emotion. A pause after a declaration of love, a shocking revelation, or a heart-wrenching confession gives weight to those words and lets the emotion marinate. Furthermore, it implies subtext. Often, what's not said tells us more about the character's emotions, thoughts, or intentions than a soliloquy ever could. Silence can show hesitation, fear, acceptance, or a myriad of other emotions. How to use silence in your stories? 1. Use action beats. Instead of filling the void with words, use actions. Maybe a character fidgets with their ring after a question about their spouse. Perhaps another looks away when asked about their past. 2. Sensory descriptions. Let your readers hear a clock ticking, feel the cold draft from a suddenly open window, or the distant hum of city life. Let's look at Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice for a great example of silence in action that would make a mime jealous. 
Consider that pivotal scene when Mr. Darcy first proposes to Elizabeth Bennet. After his lengthy confession of feelings, Lizzie's silent shock speaks louder than any verbal retort could. The tension in that room? Oh, you could cut it with a butter knife. Another good one that comes to mind is Ernest Hemingway's Hills Like White Elephants. Hemingway was a master of the unspoken. In this short story, a couple dances around the topic of an abortion. The silences, filled with the mundane, looking at the scenery, ordering drinks, underscore the gravity of their unspoken conflict. Silence, dear authors, is not empty. It's brimming with potential. And remember, sometimes the most powerful thing a character can say is nothing at all. Every line of dialogue should have a purpose, whether revealing character traits, pushing the plot, or setting the mood. If it doesn't, slash it. Think of inner dialogues as your character's personal, confessional booth, a space where they're most vulnerable, raw, and real. Use it wisely, and your readers will be ever grateful for that intimate insight. Newsflash. Just because you can write a monologue that would take half a day to read out loud doesn't mean you should. We've all been stuck in conversations, desperately seeking an escape as someone prattles on. Don't let your readers feel the same way about your book. Hey, the reality is attention spans are limited. Sorry to break it to you, but even the most devout reader has a limit. If you go on a 10-page rant about the quality of 18th century shoelaces, you might lose a few folks along the way. Kind of like John Galt's 60-page monologue in Rand's Atlas Shrugged. As much as I love the book, I had to hire a body double to perform my normal human duties while I spent a week reading the whole thing. Good dialogue avoids repetition. If your character says the same thing three times, just worded differently. We get it. They're upset about the shoelaces. And how to nail this? Easy. For starters, read it aloud. This will immediately show you what feels natural and what's overkill. If you're gasping for breath after a character's line, maybe chop it down a bit. Be sure to get feedback. Beta readers or writing groups can point out areas where they felt the dialogue dragged. And don't be afraid to kill your darlings, a phrase coined by the legendary William Faulkner. Sometimes you need to be brutal and cut lines you love for the greater good of the story. First example that comes to mind for me is William Shakespeare's Macbeth. Good old Billy Shakes knew how to keep things tight. Macbeth's famous line, out, out, brief candle, tells us more about his views on life's fleeting nature than a two-page monologue ever could. It's short, punchy, and poignant. Also in F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. The line, you can't repeat the past, and Gatsby's response, can't repeat the past? Why, of course you can is a succinct exchange that reveals a lot about Gatsby's character and his obsession with the past. And finally, let's talk about engaging inner dialogues. Ah, the joys of characters going on introspective journeys in their minds. It's like eavesdropping on someone's internal radio station. These are important because they give your characters depth. Inner dialogues allow the reader a VIP, no-holds-barred pass into a character's psyche. We see their fears, hopes, aspirations, and those weird thoughts about if penguins have knees. An internal monologue can also set the emotional tone of a scene or chapter, giving readers clues about the underlying tensions or feelings at play. Have you read a book and knew something the protagonist didn't? That delicious tension when you're screaming internally for them to figure it out? Thank you, inner dialogues. How to make your inner dialogues pop. Authenticity. Readers can spot a fake a mile away. Make sure the inner thoughts align with the character's established personality and experiences and use them in moderation. Much like our discussion on chatterboxes, keep internal dialogues concise. It's a flavor enhancer, not the main course. Also, inner thoughts can be anxious, whimsical, somber, or even comedic. 
Mix it up based on the scene and the nature of your character. Speaking of inner dialogues, James Joyce in Ulysses takes us on a whirlwind tour of Leopold Bloom's mind, giving us everything from profound insights to his desires for a sandwich. It's the innermost thoughts laid bare on a platter. And circling back to Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth Bennet's internal musings give us profound insights into her judgments, preconceptions, and the titular Pride and Prejudice. When she reads Darcy's letter and mentally grapples with its revelations, we get a clear window into her evolving perceptions. So, whether you're crafting a passionate soliloquy or a sassy one-liner, keep your dialogue snappy, impactful, and as colorful as your local thrift store's neon sweater section. Your readers won't just hear your characters, they'll hang on every word. If you've gotten any value out of our little dialogue about, well, dialogue, subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Those review and ratings help the show reach more people. This is Ray Evans for the Pen to Profit podcast signing off. Catch you on the next wave of Wordsmith Wisdom. Thanks for tuning in to the Pen to Profit podcast. If you've enjoyed hanging out with us today, swing by iTunes or your podcast app of choice and leave a rating and write a review. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to get more of this grammar goulash delivered piping hot to your ear holes every week. And if you're looking for more tips, tricks, and free trainings that aren't available anywhere else, click the link in the show notes to join the Author Success Hub Facebook group. It's one part mastermind group and one part creative writing workshop. Except you can attend in your pajamas without judgment. Plus, you'll be mixing it up with fellow authors who are all about that writing and profiting life. Until next time, keep putting pen to paper and turning those pages to profit. Ciao.